All right, Brian, can you start off by just telling us your NFL story? I'll, I'll give you the short version since I don't want to put you to sleep. I graduated from Bucknell and as a running back, I was the old time leading rusher at the school. But, you know, Bucknell is a, a Division One AA Ivy League type school. So I tell people I, I had three strikes against me. I was white, I was a running back, and I was 5'9". And then you throw on, you know, Bucknell being such a small school. And to make it even harder, my senior year, we were one and nine. And, and I think my, our, our record over my four years, we were probably five games under 500. But in my mind, I, I, I always thought I could play with anyone. Uh, I was the all-time leading rusher at Bucknell when I finished. But, you know, I really wanted to just get a tryout so I could see if I was good enough. So there was some talk of maybe getting a free agent tryout. But long story short, it, it never happened. So believe it or not, I continued to believe I could play in the NFL. So I, I, I tried for three years. I tried for three years to get a tryout. And then when the writing was on the roll, you know, I had a couple little nibbles here and there, but never, never anything came to fruition. And I, I actually, right out of college, I started working as a clinical scientist. So I was a clinical researcher and I would travel four or five days every week. So trying to stay in shape for an NFL tryout was almost impossible, if, if you can imagine. I, my typical week would be Seattle, L.A., San Diego, Mexico City. That's the type of traveling I was doing. But in 1994, Buddy Ryan was hired by the Arizona Cardinals. And I, he had actually coached in Philadelphia, where I'm from. So I'm like, this crazy man might just be the guy that will actually give you know, some five nine white guy who hasn't played football in three seasons a chance. So I like to tell people I played football without a helmet. My scheme that I came up with, you know, I sent them a bunch of faxes, a bunch of, I know fax machines aren't used anymore, but a bunch of faxes, some person-to-person uh, -person Federal Express letters, but I didn't hear anything for like a month. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to fly out to Arizona and literally camp in a parking lot until he talked to me. But the problem was I could fly all the way out to Arizona and I'm not even sure he's in the state. So this story eventually got a lot of media attention when I actually pulled it off. Uh, but mm -hmm. I called up the secretary and said I was a, with Federal Express and I had a person-to-person -person delivery. And, and usually the person back then, person-to-person -person delivery was a thing where the person would actually have to sign it. So I knew he was in town. Then I, I went out there and I, I literally sat in a lobby <laughs> for two days, seven, eight hours. I figured they would call the police before it was done. But long story short, one night I was sitting in there, the defensive coordinator happened to walk, walk by and give me a little bit of time a day. And it turned out that he knew my strength coach from Bucknell, Jeff Connors, who, who went on to be a legendary strength coach at East Carolina, North Carolina. And he called Jeff just to say, hey, we got a nutball in our lobby the past two days, wants to meet Buddy Ryan. What do you know about him? And thank God Jeff Connors had said, you know, Brian had some physical attributes. I was a 700-pound squatter, 400-pound uh, bench. So the, the defensive coordinator, Ronnie Jones, came out and he said, let me look at your film. And if I think it looks okay, I'll try to get Buddy Ryan, who's the head coach who I was trying to seek an audience with, to look at it. Somehow, I came back the next day, and I don't, still don't know how this happened. The receptionist said, hey, 
buddy Ryan knows you're here and he wants to talk to you. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my bluff had finally be, had been called, you know, three years of being turned down by so many teams and having people look at me like I was a crazy man, like move on with your life, kid. You're not going to get a tryout. The receptionist walks me back to his office and this is buddy Ryan. I'm not sure you're a little yeah. young, but he's known as a crazy man, you know, the year before he punched his offensive coordinator. So first thing buddy says to me is, what brings you here, son? You know, scared to death. My only quote was, you know, I know I can play in the league. And I said, whatever you want me to do, if you want me to rip someone's head off in your honor, I'll run down on kickoffs and rip someone's head off. I, I'll do whatever it takes. I, I know I can play in this league. And he's like, we looked at film. We looked at your film. And I actually think you, you have some potential. So now the moment of truth was, after I talked a big game, they're going to go time me in a 40-yard dash. And again, remember my career. I'm a clinical researcher. Right. I, I haven't really done anything competitive in two or three years. But training's personal to me. I had trained like an animal for three years. I went out and ran like a, in, in a four or five 40-yard dash. Even though I was only 5'9", I was about 220 pounds at that point because I knew I would have to probably play fullback at, at that level because, uh, you know, not, not a running back. So he called my bluff and he said, I'm going to sign you to a, free, a preseason contract, a contract only get you, you get to go to camp and compete. But fortunately, this was January, February, that, so when I signed a contract, I was able to come right out there and, and participate in off-season workouts. So by the time July came around, I was still a million, you know, one in a million odds to make the team. How, how the hell is this guy going to make the team? He's just going to be a, you know, punching bag for, for veterans. Uh, somehow, and that's why I love Buddy Ryan. I knew if I was good enough and I got my foot in the door, he wouldn't treat me like a, a, a know-nothing free agent. He would treat me the same way as a, a fourth-round draft pick or whatever it is. Somehow, first preseason game after having a really good summer camp, we were playing the 49ers. This is the first preseason game. He puts me in at the second quarter, and I had 12 carries for like 60 yards. I was running people over. <laughs> uh, so you can't, you can't script this. So obviously I did enough. There's always this story with me. Unfortunately, I had a lot of bad luck. You know, I'm not, I'm not crying about it, but my story was covered on a lot of inside edition. David Letterman wanted me to appear on his show. The story got a lot, but people don't know. One week before camp started, my older brother was home from the Air Force and he was in a freak accident. So I almost didn't go to camp because of this major life issue one week before camp but I ended up saying he would want me to go I put on his dog tags and then I did all these miraculous things I was on the opening day roster we, we played the LA Rams at the LA Coliseum I, I actually was in there for a two-point conversion during crunch time and then that Monday after the, playing on Sunday I got a call that my dad was having congestive heart failure he's probably not going to be alive when I got home so I finally make this team game one. I'm in the uniform and I have to tell buddy Ryan, Hey buddy, my dad's dying. I got to go. So amazingly, he said, you know, family comes first. They called me Rudy. That, that was the name that stuck because that was the, the big movie that summer. He's like, go take care of your father and I'll have a spot for you when you come back, which you're not sure he's going to have a spot there. This is big business NFL, right? I'm a, I'm the bottom of the barrel player, but I have to go home after pulling this dream off. Amazingly, he, he signed me to practice squad after I came back in a couple of weeks. 
And then I worked my way into returning kickoffs. I hadn't got much time, so I, I decided to go meet Buddy again. And I said, Buddy, I know I can do something to help this team win. And he's like, guess what? You're going to return kickoffs on Sunday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm like, I didn't return kickoffs in college or high school. So I'm shitting a brick. How am I going to do this? But anyway, I ended up, you know, playing a handful of games. We're going to get into my back issues. That's why I developed squat max. So I'll, I'll stop beating this story. But that's one man's dream of making the NFL. Hopefully that, some of that made sense. Oh, that is, that's an amazing story. I'd be curious to hear what your workouts looked like uh, during those three years of trying to make it in between college and while you're working a full-time job, traveling. Were you just finding random gyms and going there and working out? Or, um, yeah, what was the story there? <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling because if you knew how many places <laughs> I snuck into, you know, I'd be in Beverly Hills and finding a gym. One, one of the funniest things I remember is you know, I'd be in these business hotels with business people and poor lady would open up her hotel door and there'd be a guy doing 20 yard dashes in the hallway, <laughs> especially if I was somewhere where it was cold or in the parking lot. So, and obviously I, you know, I was pretty put together at that point, five, nine, two, twenty. So yeah. it, when we start talking about the equipment that I created, the Henny attachment squat max, I didn't tell the part of the story, but when I was 12 years old, I was run over by a car. This is in the 70s when cars weren't these cheap plastic cars. This was like a 1976 Buick. But at that moment in time, that, that was the beginning of my back problems from age 12 to actually age 40. My back got so bad, I didn't tell this part of the story. When I was activated to play that first game as the kickoff returner against the Steelers, I was scared to death I was going to not be able to catch the, the, the kickoff. So I had the kicker, Greg Davis, kick me like 100 balls. And I would run full speed after these balls. So this is, he's like, Jesus Christ, Brian, I'm, my leg's going to fall off. I said, just kick me one more. <laughs> Believe it or not, my back would always get hurt. Uh, I would always have an acute injury. Wednesday before I'm going to play against the Steelers, I blow my back out. And when I hurt my back, I couldn't even walk. Like it was complete spasm. So being able to play Sunday night, people didn't know that I got an epidural injection on Saturday to even be able to move on Sunday. So in high school, since you're an old football player, I would get cortisone injections in my back in the guidance counselor in high school so that I could play on Saturday. So if you can imagine my back, when it was all said and done, I actually injured my spinal cord at 35. The disc herniations just got so enormous that it started impacting. I, I had to have emergency surgery. I literally lost control of my bladder, my bowel. They thought I wouldn't be able to walk without a walker. But getting back to your training, growing up in Philadelphia, it was part rocky. You know, I, I would intentionally work as a roofer in the summer so that I could rip off roofs. Uh, this is starting in high school. So I would do all that kind of work to, to get what I call man strength. And then I would do the traditional bench press squat at five o'clock after working eight hours on a roof all day or go run my, my sprints. My workout routine wasn't you know, your typical just Olympic lifts or powerlifting. My, my grandfather was a professional boxer, so there was always a body weight component and a rotational component that I wanted to add. So that's when, when we talk about my equipment, I'm a big proponent of, of free weights, omnidirectional movement, if, if performance matters. One of the stories I tell all the time, because I was always working around a bad back, 
there was a lot of times I couldn't squat during my off season. I couldn't do traditional barbell squats, deadlifts I could never do. So one time in the, in the early 90s, we got a Smith machine at my high school gym. And I'm like, this is going to help me because that's how it was portrayed, that it was better on the back. Because that was a fixed position, I blew my back out first mm. rep ever on, on a Smith machine. So when we get into talking about squat max, why I was so adamant that a belt squat couldn't be anchored to a fixed point because it had to be a natural movement. But yeah, so my training was pretty unique. I was always, as a, as a guy that always needed to get faster, more athletic, I couldn't follow the basic. I couldn't just follow what everyone else was doing. You know, there's certain athletes that are so blue chip. I'm sure all they have to do is squat and do certain things. I was the guy that before there was overspeed training, that wasn't a thing that much overspeed training. Now there's treadmills. I would have my best friend, my, my fellow running back, we would anchor each other to his moving car and he would pull me in a parking lot, you know, 20 miles per hour, <laughs> you know. And if, if I tell people, if I went down in that parking lot, I'm going to be drug on blacktop for 40 mm -hmm. feet. So, yeah, that's the kind of stuff, obviously, the Walter Paytons of the world, anything that I could get, hill training, anything that I could throw into the equation. That was cool. You are a, you're a wild man. Um, it sounds <laughs> like, well, um, let's just move on to the inventions then. Um, so I'd be curious what came first, the squat max MD or the Henny attachment. And then where in your life were you at, at that point, I should say. Awesome. Yep. Well, fast forward after the Cardinals, I got, I went and played with the Eagles. I got cut by the Eagles and then went back to the pharmaceutical industry. So from 1995, to 2010, I was, you know, moving up. I became a senior director in, in that industry uh, doing clinical research. But my brain's, I'll be honest with you, I started playing football at five or six. I've had some, some. I definitely have CTE. I'm probably stage three at this point. I was having a lot lot of issues in, at, at work. My, not so much that it was impacting my career, but my executive function is a little funky. I felt like if I stayed in that atmosphere, I was going to, throw someone through an office window <laughs> or something crazy. So, and the real catalyst is fitness was always my, if I could do anything in life, it was fitness and, and working with athletes to try to improve their chances of maximizing whatever their sport is. So uh, funny story, I, I said to my wife, who's also, she, she's a, a, a doctor, a PhD in, in industry. I said, my midlife crisis, hon, I'm not going to get a Corvette. I'm not going to get a girlfriend. I'm, <laughs> I'm opening up a gym. My daughter at the time was nine years old, 10 years old. My son was seven. I said, even if this gym absolutely sucks, it's a chance for me to train. You know, both my kids were athletes, you know, young yeah. athletes, but I had a plan for them to maximize their sports. It was a chance to hang out with them. So I opened up a gym, you know, out of nowhere. I left the pharmaceutical industry, which I spent so many years. No one knew of me. I was this guy that had a cup of coffee in the NFL. So a midlife crisis opened up, you know, 5,000 square foot gym. And I'm going to train athletes. I didn't have, you know, any connections. There weren't 100 clients working for me. So that I opened up this gym in 2010, and it, it, it's been a huge success. Uh, in the last 10 years, again, this wasn't some miracle where I snapped my fingers and the gym was going. I worked yeah. a lot of hours, missed a lot of things, you know, training athletes. But the, the moral of the story is my daughter was an all-American soccer player, went off to college played soccer. She's getting her PhD now. She had the most goals in the state of Pennsylvania history. 
My son's a college football player at a, a, a local Division One AA school, Lafayette. And within my gym, probably 500 athletes have gone on to play college athletics, probably 300 Division One athletes. Ten of them made it to the minor leagues, Olympic hopefuls. And, and a lot of my athletes that started working with me in eighth grade are training at my gym 10 years later as pros, you know, number one pick with the Cubs, different things. So, and in that gym, I created, you know, I had certain things that I called it the, it's called S-Max speed maximization algorithm. This wasn't traditional lifting. These are things that I knew got my white ass to the NFL. I wanted to see how my, how I organized the notes. Could they help other athletes improve? improve their athleticism. So the first year or two at, as opening up the gym, one of my first purchases was a reverse hyper because I'm man, I'm like, this is going to be great for my low back. I wasn't using my thinking. I just was relying on the people out there, you know, reading gym reviews because I hadn't been in the fitness industry. Remember, I, I, I came back right. 10, 15 years later and, and I was pissed off that I bought the reverse hyper because it actually wasn't good on my back because it was it was on a fixed lever arm. So when because it wasn't omnidirectional, it's a good premise. Reverse hyper is a good premise and it can help people. But for someone like me with the arthritic spine, arthritic facet joints, it, it irritated my back. So, you know, having all my back issues, my premise was I want my daughter, you know, I was a 36, 37 inch vertical leap. I could jump up dunk basketballs from squatting. When I when I could do free weight squats. That was a different performance animal than, you know, doing having doing the leg press. So I'm like, I'm not going to make this mistake again. There was, I think Louis had the pulley system. There wasn't any other bell squats out there. I was probably, I've been on the market like 10 or 11 years, probably saying almost the same time as like a pit shark, but I just haven't had the marketing. So I'm like, I'm going to create this belt squat. I know what it has to be. It has to be a natural movement. I have to be able to get in my natural groove. So I came up, you know, again, I'm not a fabricator. Here I go again, biting off more than I can chew. But I, I was able to get local fabricators to create this design that I knew would, in my opinion, was would give me the benefits of a free weight squat, but also be perfect on my low back and knee joints because there would be no artificial shear. It would be a, you know a vertical line of drive. So I created this device, and first thing I did, obviously, I, I'm fortunate that I patented it. I, I put a patent in, but I wanted to make sure it worked just like a barbell squat because I'm a big guy on multi. If you're going to use a multi-joint movement, that's why you squat, right? You want to use a compound movement. So one of the first, in the first year of creating this thing, I sent letters to a lot of colleges that did research, that did uh, exercise science research. And I said, please, are you willing to do a, an independent study? I want to make sure that this behaves like a barbell back squat. It worked the glutes, it worked the quad, it worked all that musculature. Uh, I also sent a machine to Stu McGill, the famous uh, biomechanics guy up in Canada. And again, I don't have a huge, I, I have some money because I did well enough in my day job, but I can't just be throwing money around. So I sent one up to Stu McGill because biomechanics, having injured my spinal cord, I wanted to get his confirmation. If you're going to use a belt squat biomechanically, this is the only one that makes sense. So long story short, within that first two or three years of opening up a gym, I had a patented bell squat and Widener University School of Physical Therapy was kind enough to actually do a, a real 
pristine research study comparing it to a back squat. And between you and I, if the study, it was just an EMG study, but it was critical for me. If that didn't behave, like if it didn't work the glute max and the glute med like a back squat, you and I wouldn't be here discussing squat max. I would have scrapped it because I want my daughter to maximize her athleticism. I want her to be able to do a maximum squat where, where she's going to prove as an athlete and maybe it'll help prevent ACL tears. Like training, just like we have talked, is personal with me. So squat max wasn't developed. Let me come up with this device that I'm going to pedal to try to get rich off of. It was how can I maximize what I'm chasing for my athletes? I'm kind of living vicariously now through my own athletes that I want them to be able to, if their dreams to play Division One field hockey, then I'm, I'm going to give them everything we have. So that's that's the story behind Squat Max. Where, where Squat Max has failed, Squat Max has been on the market 10, 11 years. I had no frigging clue about marketing. If, if I could do it all over again, it would probably be in a different place. I mean, let, let me tell you right now, it's been, you know, Eddie Cohn, Vanilla Gorilla, Brian Carroll, Donnie Thompson, Optimus Prime, the, the best that ever had the best that ever power lifted have endorsed squat maxes, the, their bell squat of choice. So that, that should say enough, but I, I'm not rogue. I'm not, you know, Sorenex. I don't have marketing people. Amazingly, I'm selling, I, I, I probably sold 500 squat max units last year. Uh, this is a one man operation who's packing, who's making these in Pennsylvania, shipping them himself, you know, have a, have a gym as my day job. But the cool thing that the most recent study, and then I'll, I'll stop beating it, is I went, I had Widener come back two years ago and I said, look, people are giving free passes to the lever arm belt squat to the cable. Let's, let's have the three go head to head squat, Mac. There's been other studies now, Matt Wenning and the Pit Shark. Both tried to duplicate the squat max study and they failed miserably. It was shown that the lever arm doesn't work the glute max or glute med. So mm. th th there's not there's not enough activity. So it's more of a leg press than it is than it is a squat. But anyway, this study two years ago showed the squat max activity wise, you know, VMO, glute med. It, it, if, you, if you're looking for the superior belt squat, there's no there's no doubt which one it is, it's squat max just because, and people will say, oh, EMG doesn't matter. Well, they're missing the point. The EMG against the barbell squat, that's the most important one that it worked just like the, the barbell squat. So you can say it doesn't matter to have more activity in the VMO or the glute med. Well, if you have no activity, very low activity, you can't have, have a change. You can't have a physiological ad adaptation you have to have a certain amount of all toxicologists. You got to have enough blood level for the drug to work. So that's where Squamax is. And, um, and we can talk about, I see, I saw on your resume that you did some marketing. I, I needed some of your, some of your background six, seven years ago. I thought the science people would come find it. They, that's not how it works. You could have the best, exercise device in the world it doesn't matter if no one knows about it yeah can you do me a favor and and this might help too um but can you explain to me why the squat max squat max md is better than all of the alternatives like i'm a fifth grader well i guess that if we start with the premise of what is a belt squat designed to do 
a belt squat is designed to replace a squat, a barbell back squat or, or any free weight squat. That, that's why a belt squat was created, right? Okay. But obviously the rate limiting factor, a, a squat's a dynamic movement, but the, the rate limiting factor for a lot of athletes, like let's use my daughter as an example. In ninth, 10th grade, yeah, we can push the squats, as back, the traditional barbell back squat as heavy as we can, but at a certain point, her spine, her she's she's a she's a soccer player. I may not even want to add additional weight, additional hypertrophy. I want the benefit of the legs, getting the leg as strong as possible. So that's where where the beauty of squat max is. It's giving me the benefits of a free weight squat movement. You know, it's working the stabilizers. It's working that multi joint movement, coordinating the glute, the quad. The body's working in unison, just like you have to do in sports. Like if you're picking up a, a linebacker, your hips and quads, everything has to work in, in unison. So the other point of a belt squat was everyone created belt squats because it's better on the spine. But in actuality, now that I've been at this 10 years, and I don't want to bad mouth other companies, other, but there's hundreds of reports of people hurting their back every year on on pit, on lever arm belt squats. One of the first ones five or six years ago, JJ Watts blew his back out, re-injured his back doing heavy lever arm belt squats. So everyone thought belt squats are foolproof. They can't hurt your back. But I know as a person with back injuries that anytime you have shear, like compression didn't hurt me as much as shear. That's why I never deadlift. If that load isn't perfectly vertical from top to bottom, that belt's going to, that belt sits on your low back and your hips. So even if there's a little bit of pull forward and you're strong enough to use heavy weight, you're now going to have shear and that flexion of the spine. So that, so that's why, you know, squat max, because Stu McGill, who I've never paid a dime to, he's the world renowned squat university, Aaron. These are all guys that are talking about the biomechanics of squat max. It pulls straight down on the hips versus having that, that sheer moment, you know, and that's your moment. You know, some guys that are five, six, five, seven, they may get away with a lever arm belt squat, but people with, you know, we're all different anatomies and that's what's great about squat max because it's not fixed. And that's, that's what my pat based on that, that lets you get into your natural groove, whether you're more hingy or you're, you're more of a squatty squat, that's going to always maintain a vertical load because it's not anchored to a fixed point. And what the research has shown, like, it's one thing for me to say, oh, this is better. But mm-hmm. again, that research wasn't done for a marketing perspective initially. It was to know that my daughter's going to get glute medius so that, you know, we have less chance of an ACL tear. You know, that we're not, you trade off a machine just like I had to, when I was always hurting my back, I'd have to get away from back squats. And I gave up a lot when I had to just do leg presses. I had to give, I was giving up that multi-joint coordination. When I was healthy enough that I could back squat, I told you my vertical got up to 36, 37 inches. It was 32 inches. It was 31 some years when I was leg pressing. And and I have a lot of data from my gym at this point. Uh, We've had so much success stories where athletes have improved speed, vertical jumps. So it's just a, I guess I build volumes of information, right? I could have just said, hey, Ed Cohn loves it, but I wanted to get the science perspective. 
I wanted to get the expert biomechanics perspective. And then I loved it. Some of the top power lifters see what I see. If you were to create a, a perfect device, squat max is it. So that's, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I gave you a fifth grade version of it, but that's, that's the best I could do on the fly. No, I, I think you did. So basically just so we're crystal clear, what you're saying is, and what the studies are saying is that the, so first of all, the belt, the belt squat is supposed to replicate a back squat without uh, adding as much tension as possible to your spine. And it's supposed to feel Spine, similar. And, and knees. And knees. Yeah. Jo okay. joint I would say joint, joint, joint preservation. Okay. And the squat max MD, because of its placement, the weight placement, and your ability to just, to not lean forward, it's better than what else is on, on the market. Yeah. One of my quotes I probably overuse is squat max allows, the weight conforms to you. Whereas if you're using a machine that's fixed, at some point you have to conform to the machine. So think if you remember my story about if you remember my story about the Smith machine, I was all excited because it was going to be safe. I thought it'd be safer on my back. You know, I was just a college college kid, a biology major. I didn't have any thought. No, that Smith machine forced me in a fixed pattern. So the, you know that load, depending how I wanted to squat, you know, I wasn't probably keeping that load directly in the middle of my feet unless I conformed to the machine based on my squatting form. But yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's always been the case for me. Like we did a lot of hammer strength in the NFL, even from a, a machine that doesn't work your stabilizers. If th that, that's what the research, I knew it would be the case because squat max, you have to control the load left to right. That's so important from a performance perspective. If, if you're, you know, if your stabilizers aren't part of the, part of the equation, you're not maximizing performance. It's funny, I, I'm getting a text here from old Major League Baseball athlete Raul Banez. It, it's weird that he's, he's texting me right now. He hit 29 home runs at age 41 with the Seattle Mariners, and he credited Squat Max. He, he called Squat Max the fountain of youth because it allowed him to do maximum effort free weight squats. So he got the benefit, the performance benefit of the squat, but he felt that it decompressed his spine because remember, that's the other thing. Because it's not fixed, you're not only preserving the joint, that, that load is pulling straight down on your hips. So he felt he got decompression of his spine. And he also felt that it was great for his, his mobility of his hip flexors because it's a free weight squat pulling straight down. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty ironic. So him call, he called it the fountain of youth. So that, that's how I say it. If, if I'm going to use a device, that, that's why I created this. I want to make sure I'm maximizing performance. Is that what every garage gym owner wants to do? Probably not, but if you can maintain your leg strength, uh, now that I'm pushing 50, uh, you know, I'm pushing 55, I can jump up and grab a rim. I made a post just half, a, half of a joke last week. Uh, I was kind of ragging on the liver king a little bit. I had a, I had a little liver drawing, a little body, little liver character with real little legs. And I said, the real fountain of youth, if you're a middle-aged man, is being able to maintain leg strength and size because all, all the the hormonal response and as a clinical scientist i know the squat max is behaving much closer to a barbell squat i know from a biomechanical perspective it's the best way i can go to preserve someone's spine and knees because why would you want to add shear you may as well just do a leg press why are bell squats so hot and heavy 
in the last three or four years because people think, man, I can do max effort squats because, because it's a multi-joint. But the truth of the story is they're doing a quad pump and getting shear on their back. And that's okay, but you know, this isn't a regulated right. industry. So I could, I see every day, I just saw some breathe belt. They said it activates your glute better. That Where's the research? I, so again, in God, I trust everybody else bring data is, is kind of where, where my approach is. But, but I'm here in my story. I'm a, I'm not your typical gym manufacturer. I'm a guy that's creating devices that I think can actually improve athletic strength. I guess, I guess that's a good way to end that, that segment, if that makes sense. All of that makes sense. Cool story and a lot of good information. Would love to also hear about the Henny attachment. So you said the Squat Max MD was about 10 years ago or so you started creating it. Where along in the process was the Henny attachment? I got a patent on it maybe two years ago. It's a patent product. It's, it's, it's been a marketed product for about three years. I, I have some research studies pending on that as well. The Henny, same thing, you know, the, the original premise of the Henny was I deal with a lot of high school, college athletes. And I find a lot of times that traditional weightlifting that's in a vertical, vertical plane, you know, straight, straight up and down, it doesn't always translate. Like I'm, I always try to get, for example, for, for a female athlete to be able to decelerate, they need to load their, their shins and their, and their, their posterior chain in a certain way. So the, the Henny came about is I wanted to create convenient, horizontally directed force. So for example, just an, an exercise that Henny might give a good explanation of this. When I have a female athlete stand in front of, the Henny is a system, of st a strap system for, for your, your um, listeners that don't know what it is yet. It's a system of, of, of straps that serve as a hinge, almost like an omnidirectional jammer arm, I guess we would call it. But there's also multiple components. So when, when an athlete stands in front and does a row on the Henny attachment on a bar, with a barbell loaded with weight, if they don't load their posterior chain in a certain way, like an athlete's pulling them over, they'll get pulled over by the weight. Or if I'm trying to get an athlete like 45 degree angles are critical for speed or picking up a linebacker, there's certain shin angles and body angles. That, that's where, where the Henny was originally created for my gym. I wanted to create, create ways that I could create athleticism, you know, supplement my, my traditional squats, cleans, overhead presses, whatever we're doing. That's, that was the original catalyst for the Henny. But then my brain started thinking, I have a lot of old muscle head friends. You know, that guy used to drag me around in a car, my old running back mate. He's an IFBB bodybuilder now, professional bodybuilder. His shoulders are garbage. He would bring his son in. I'm like, try this press movement on the Henny. He's like, holy shit, I don't have any, any pain in my shoulder. Yeah, duh, because it's an omnidirectional movement where you can get into that path that you need to get into, whereas a jammer arm and other apparatuses that are, again, fixed are going to force you into a little bit more of a fixed path. So the Henny went from something that was just for athletes at my gym to, you know, I have an 80-year-old client that I train. I'm like, holy shit, I can have this guy walk away into a position at 80 years old and have to, you know, work on athleticism and strength versus saying, hey, Bob, because he, he has so much arthritis, he can't do a traditional barbell, dumbbell press or barbell press. So what am I going to do, Bob? If Bob was at another gym, they'd have him sitting on his ass doing a press. 
But now I can do a press where he can walk the weight exactly where he needs to be because he's not gonna he's not gonna clean up a dumbbell or God if if, if I was opening up my gym and, again and the Henny was on the market, I would have bought five of these and put them on every one of my squat racks. So I have a unique perspective because I'm a gym owner. You know, I'm a garage gym owner because a lot of times I'm trying to get my workout in at home. And obviously I'm, you know, somehow I've evolved into making strength equipment, which wasn't the plan. I just wanted to hide in the gym so that I didn't throw out a statistician through a window at the pharmaceutical industry. So it's funny how these years have, have kind of led to, and, and people forget, Rogue stole my multi-belt, right? That's my design. You go, you look at there three years ago, it said, but the multi-belt is a patented product brought to us by Brian Hennessy, but, you know, big pockets can borrow ideas. Uh, it wasn't strong enough in my patent, but people were scarred because of, of belt squats, you know, and now the multi-belt is, you know, rave reviews, but it's it's actually what's the Henny belt. That, that's also my design. It has finally made belt squats tolerable like the rogue rhino wouldn't even be you couldn't even do the rogue rhino because it left so the welts you couldn't get proper distance because my my belt squat design is multiple links to let you adjust for the athlete's height so um yes yeah, so that's another i almost forgot about the multi-belt rogue was starting to make all three of my products about three or four years ago my squat max rack model and the multi-belt we had signed a six-month contract and they were dragging their feet. They they wanted they didn't want another big company wanted to buy Squat Max. So Bill Henniger was smart mm. enough that he said, "Hey, we'll make Squat Max for you." No, they just wanted to tie me up so that it couldn't be marketed. They didn't want to hear about research studies where Squat Max went head to head against the Rhino. They just wanted to, you know, we got Louis design. We'll make it smaller and say it's great. Well, let's look at the research study. But yeah, so I got out of my Rogue deal a year and a half ago. And I'm back chasing the dream myself, which is impossible. You know, Rogue was selling a fair amount of rack models and they didn't even market it. It was never put on. It was buried on their website. But because it has people that want to perform and want to feel great, understand the, the difference between designs. But yeah, that's where the Henny came from. It was solving a problem at my gym. Now, one of the customers says, oh, I can just use uh, hammock straps. So yeah, so you can, I'm sure a hammock strap could be worked into the equation, but hammock strap would probably be a good replacement for the TRX. The hammock strap that these people are quoting are Asian made hammock straps that are rated for like a thousand pounds. People don't realize that the Henny attachment, the, the steel pins that come with it, that, that are part of it, that allows it to be more of a hinge versus a suspension piece. So, and where I was going with that is the Henny attachment, each loop is rated for 6,000 pounds maximum breaking strength so this is being used by nfl teams university of tennessee you know you got guys creating a lot of plyometric violent movements some of the henny movements are meant to translate to the field so the henny attachment is much more than two random straps hanging from a pull-up bar it, it, you know it's a system of a foot plate a slant board you know the multi-belt which is really the henny belt and the straps we're built, like we've been using them three or four years, we're not even getting phrased. So mm. the pins are an important part of it. It just lets you get more in front of the rack. It, it lets you do more things. And, and just the, the pitch is a little different than, you know, when it's ha when it's suspended, it's gonna behave a little bit in certain movements. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty good piece. And all my pins and all my steel were made in Pennsylvania. 
we didn't get into how I failed as a marketer, but Plotmax, what's killing me is I don't have great margins because I make everything in Pennsylvania, just like my steel pins. You know, obviously I probably can make things overseas a little cheaper, a lot cheaper. But when, when the pandemic came, like I sold 500 squat maxes last year, even the year before, but my margins aren't, aren't great. You know, people are like, oh, 1690, that's the base price for squat max. Because of what's going on with steel prices and shipping, I subsidize probably $150 residential deliveries, freight deliveries. For example, I might charge $200 for a delivery to a residence for squat max. The actual cost could be 420, mm-hmm. <laughs> could be 440. So you, so I'm subsidizing. Before the pandemic, I had an okay margin, but right now that's the struggle as a small businessman. I can't. Oh, so let me charge 2,000 because I'm scared that you know I make 100 100 units at a time and it isn't right. cheap, right? So I, you know, I know when we were talking by email, talking about some of the challenges of you know being David versus Goliath. You know that that's some of the things, but. Uh, I've been very fortunate. If Squadmax didn't southern another unit, I know that the greatest guys to do it, the Ed Cones, the Blaine Sumners, I know that they're using my product to improve their performance. But yeah, so the Henny, that's why I reached out to you and, and actually said, can you check this device out? Kurt Locker's been great. Uh, you know, I, I sent him a device and he loved it so much he did a review. I can't do what I did with the, the Squadmax. I have to, I learned that I got to get it out to guys that, that actually understand fitness and can influence much better than me. So I'm, I'm hoping the Henny, I have a, another company interested in making the Henny and there's actually a bigger company that wants to start making Squat Max. So I may I, I may eventually make make some moves there as well, but I've been blessed that both products are, are being used. Like the Henny already in like five or six countries and Squat Max at last count was in over 40 countries, which blows my mind because I'm just the uh, bitter gym owner that wanted to open up a gym and a couple products. And the multi-belt is the best, you know, definitely the most comfortable belt squad belt out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way the way you're making everything sound, it doesn't sound like anything's going downhill anytime soon. I'd be curious to hear, you mentioned how your body's feeling better, um, or at least you mentioned your body was kind of in shambles, like when you're in the NFL. And then I'm guessing for a little while after. So I'd be curious to hear like, what does your training look like these days? Yeah. I've had 10 surgeries. I have a hip replacement. I posted it on my story the other day. I'll post it again. I'll maybe copy on it. My left side of my body, when I injured my spinal cord, I have literally compensations. I have a half calf on my left side. So it sucks because I would be the guy still playing pickup basketball but I'm just going to blow out an Achilles. I can jump up and grab a rim even with half of a left side. All my problems are on my left side because that's where the, the spinal cord injury was. So I have a little bit of drop foot. You you would never notice, but sometimes when I get tired, you might see me trip on a, cur- on, on, <laughs> on a curve. But yeah, the, the squat max, and that's why I, like if you see my VMO, sometimes I'll post my VMO. I've had six knee surgeries. They said I was going to need knee replacements at age 40 because I don't have cartlets. My my actual products have made 55 way better than 38 when I inj- injured my spinal cord. So again, being able to do maximum effort legs and the next day have no, my back actually feels looser. My low back feels looser. It's It almost seems like I'm making this shit up, but true story. I used to get annual rhizotomies where they would have to deaden the nerves in my back. They would just burn out the nerves. 
I stopped needing annual rhizotomies like five, six years ago. It's not a coincidence that Squat Max was invented and I started using Squat Max in two or three years into using Squat Max, I stopped needing the, um, the rhizotomies. So that, that's been a big thing for my mental health, you know, as an old football player, not being able to do a max effort leg movement. That's my Prozac, right? <laughs> so when you close your eyes and you do squat max and you hold a plate, you're doing a life death free weight squat under load. Obviously not life death because there's no, there's no bar falling on your back. But yeah, some of the Henny movements, like I stopped being able to press. I, I don't want to bench press. It's just, it's not worth the arthritis. So being able to do single leg, single arm presses and have a rotational component. So that's pretty much my training regimen in my mid fifties with 10, 10 plus surgeries is squat max and a Henny, which has been cool. I don't know if you've seen squat max now has a seal row attachment, a hip thrust. I don't mm -hmm. do hip thrust. I don't, I don't believe in, I don't believe in hip thrust because I have enough back problems, but people love them. So I added a hip thrust attachment. What's nice about squat max is because the load is omnidirectional that there's a great picture of doing hip thrust on squat max where you see the weight plate actually tilting, mm -hmm. conforming to the conforming to the lifter. That's what's cool. You know, garage gym reviews who's in rogues back pocket five years ago, did a, a fourth. Yeah, he is four years ago. Don't edit this four years ago. He did a review on squat max rack model. And he compared it against the Rogue Rhino. You know, Squat Max rack model was 950 at the time. Rogue Rhino was 1800. He said, you know, I prefer the Rogue Rhino because it has more utility. He didn't say, but he, to his credit, he said the, the best bell squat, Squat Max is the best bell squat for actually squatting, but I prefer the Rogue Rhino for um, mm. more utility. So that's why when I made went back to the standalone, I put some utility up his ass with, with the with the um, the seal row attachment, the hip thrust, and all these, and you can do reverse hypers. That and I sell uh -huh. that attachment for like two thousand bucks. The rogue rhino is like twenty four hundred. Yeah, because you can do tricep push downs on a on a rogue rhino. Like to me, real utility is a seal row bench for a garage gym owner or a chest supported row or a hip thrust machine. Now you're talking and it's taken up literally like 12 square feet. You know, there's a different definition of utility, right? If it's about utility, the Henny can do 10,000 exercises. I guess I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a rich man here soon from, from the Henny <laughs> if, if, if utility is king. But to me, it's like saying, I, I don't want the most reliable car that's going to get me the most from a performance perspective. I'll take the part that I also can uh, listen to the radio or, you know, it's to me, it's coming from a performance mentality, like, you know, some of us guys in garage gyms, us older garage gym owners, you want to be maximizing your performance. If I know that I can get a, you know, a, a hormone boost doing a, a free weight multi-joint movement and my back feels looser the next day, that that's utility for me because then, then I'm more useful for a honey-do list or, or do other stuff instead of sitting around holding my back. So, yeah, so I, I still do a lot of body weight things because my, as we touched on, my grandfather was a boxer. I, I can put 100 pounds of weights and do eight pull-ups still. I've maintained my relative body strength, and that's a big part of how I train athletes. Like, it doesn't matter if you can squat 700 pounds if you don't own the ultimate free weight is your own body weight. And the, the key movement, which I wish more garage gym owners would do, is step-ups. Step-ups is a great way to maintain athleticism because you're actually moving your body through space. I'm a 
you know, step-ups are probably, that's like Jedi mind stuff. People don't do step-ups anymore, but step-ups are kind of a lost art, almost like jumping rope, no one jumps rope. Like everyone's talking about how important the feet are and dorsiflexion and ankles. Well, guess what, jackass? You can do step-ups and work dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, proprioception, and you can jump rope. There's a lot of gimmicks, you know, that I, I didn't want to be a gimmick product. I, you know, I wanted to be something because I'm not using something in my gym unless it can, it actually works. So that makes sense. And then one more question about your own training. What um, are your favorite movements to do with the Henny attachment? Well, I, I'm a must, a must have that I'm dying for you to try. What position did you play in football? Uh, center. That was about 70 pounds ago. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. this, this is going to really humble you. I, you got to try this and, and everyone messes it up. Uh, there's a video of it. It's the uneven press where you put, you put like 45, you can probably start with a 45, 60 pounds will crush you. You just put load on one side and you got to make sure that the foot that's forward is on the same side as the uneven load where that 45 is. When you press that uneven load in a horizontal pattern, you, it's going to blow your mind how you feel that internal oblique, that adductor. I, when I was trying to make it to the NFL, unfortunately, I had to go against guys like Bill Romanowski. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him mm -hmm. or Seth Joyner, these amazing linebackers. And you could never duplicate because it's easy to have a clean shot. When you're bench pressing, it's usually easy to put maximum effort. But unfortunately, in sports, the stuff that you're trying to hit is moving. So when you do this uneven press, I have a lot of problems. A lot of my back problems were related to my hip. I had lack of hip internal rotation in my mind. If I could go back, I could have solved some of my back problems. But that uneven press, I would buy Henny just for that movement because it works that sling, that anterior sling, uh, I know that's just words, but you got to try it to believe it. And if people do it right, which, you know, that's the problem with the Henny because the presses are easy. Certain movements are easy to set up, but, you know, that'd be a hard, for someone who doesn't have lifting experience, there's some common sense of using Henny. But like, even something like the Henny, the Henny kickback with that foot plate, mm -hmm. like if you set yourself up correctly and have the right, that front foot, you have to have really strong grip on your front foot. So that's why I love the Henny because even when I'm working my back leg, my front leg, because that's trying to knock me over, I'm getting ankle mobility. I'm getting hip internal rotation. There's movements that were designed for athletes, but I think garage gym owners, middle-aged guys, middle-aged women that are trying to maintain functional movement, like there, there's some really cool stuff and, and rotational it's so hard to do rotational movements because that barbell swings left to right. I love doing kind of a rotational row with it. You know, it's really helped. I still have really rounded posture. I'm basically the tin man, but the Henny, it allows me to time. We don't have time, right? So I can do rotational rows and check off for the day that I got a rotation element in my training. That's why squat max has been great. We haven't even talked about this far, but there's now a part where you can make squat max more glute dominant or more quad dominant. I created this thing called the transformer pin that I borrowed off Kabuki. But, and this isn't bro science. When you use this transformer pin, the EMG showed double the amount of EMG act activity in the glute max. So again, I was out with Chris Bell a few weeks ago in Sacramento and he has terrible knees. 
So people are like, who cares that you can manipulate the load on a belt squat? Well, asshole, if you got issues with your knee and you want to have more vertical shin, guess what? That's a great, that's unbelievable that you can have a belt squat that you can manipulate. For me, working with athletes, like if my daughter's doing belt squats, I want it to be more glute dominant. Most, most female athletes are already quad, quad, quad dominant. Just being able to play chess a little bit instead of checkers, that's been really cool. The, the transformer pen, no one knows. Probably the 300 people that actually follow me a little bit understand the transformer pin. But like if I was coaching the LA Lakers or I was coaching the New York Jets just bought two squat max units and they had five or six ACL injuries last year. And so they, they replaced their lever arm with squat max. So I was like a kid in a candy store to say, you know, be able to get more glute, more glute mead. Like this is tailor made because NFL players aren't doing heavy, heavy they're too much too much invested in them you can't afford to get them hurt in the weight room so squat max even in that sense but but getting back to the middle-aged man my glutes my, my ass is slowly disappearing i call it the middle-aged disappearing ass act <laughs> so when you start to dis and, and liver king uh, the rock i posted Dwayne johnson Dwayne johnson uh, he's using a pitch shark I, I sent him a picture i said your ass is disappearing you put this transformer pin on uh squat max and make sure that your your limited time when you're squatting that it's it's more glute dominant. So again, even for my knees, I've had all those knee surgeries. I may use the glute. It's much harder for me because I'm not a glute dominant squatter. But yeah, there's a lot going on with the Henny and squat max that you have to really try to pay attention to see how you can manipulate it. But for a lot of people, they wouldn't care about that transformer pin. But for me, it's just again everything I create. It's it, it goes back to. The five nine white kid that people said wasn't good enough. Like I want to make sure that the personal I give people that want to maximize performance longevity. That's the key word, knee over toes. And and I'll probably can end on this. I talk so much. If if you see a picture of my VMO, you think that I, I borrowed this off some body some bodybuilder that's on uh all this doses of trend. Like my VMO is this massive VMO. And years ago when at my gym when I first started using it with my high school athletes. I'm like, why are these girls' VMOs so huge? And then they would go off to college and not do squat max anymore, and they would come home and their VMO was non-existent. The VMO mm. is getting a lot of hype these days because it, it helps preserve the knee. But funny story is, instead of saying, hey, this works your VMO, I made sure that that last research study university did. Can you look at the VMO and compare it to the other belt squats? Squat max had like 60% more VMO activity. So it's one thing to think you see something, but for me to be able to prove it, I, I knew it worked the VMO differently, but to be able to see that it correlated with actual independent study data has been, it's a dream come true for me. So yeah, so many reasons that, you know, again, it's my product, I'm going to be biased, but, you know, Eddie Cohn, who I didn't pay, that's the funny thing, these power lifters that have endorsed or posted on Squat Max, I've never paid them a dime. That's hard. That's hard to believe. So I'm I'm very fortunate. And, and again, I thank thank you for letting my long windedness come on your show and, and try to spread the word a little little bit more. Oh, I love it. I don't think I have anything else before we go. Is there anything else you want to chat about or say? No, like, like I said, I I'm, I really appreciate you know the opportunity to come on shows like this. You know, Adam at Garage Gym Labs, he was one of the at the same time, uh, Garage Gym Reviews was doing his review of, of the Squat Max Rack model. Adam did a review, and 
that's what I love that, you know, you guys that are, you're not bringing any bias into the situation. You guys, we're all garage gym owners. This is our, you know, we're all trying to, whatever, whether it's your Prozac, whether it's your, your hideaway from, from life, you know, we're, we're all share something where fitness is doing something for us. For me, it's it, it, again, you know, it's, it's my 10, my 10 surgeries. It's, it's holding my arthritis at bay, but that 20 minutes of heavy squats, it at least buy me an hour of happiness and, and sometimes we'll carry on a day pretty good. So I, I guess in closing, I just am thankful for you giving me this forum and, and sharing the Henny with your Instagram uh, viewers. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, I will, I'll plug all of your links to the squat max and Henny and uh, social medias into the description, but thanks again for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you, sir.